following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Hey everyone, Chris Horwoodell here, and welcome to this week's episode of Tales from the Association. Before I get to the guests, I wanted to take a second to thank you all for your incredible support of the show so far. Since the release of last week's Will Purdue episode, the show has really started to take off. We've consistently been in the top 100 ranked sports podcast on iTunes, and we peaked all the way up at number 10 overall. It's incredible. To say that kind of success is humbling is a gigantic understatement. I'm so grateful for the support. Please keep subscribing, rating, and reviewing on iTunes, and I promise you that this show is only going to get better and better. My guest this week is Travis Diener, a college teammate of Dwayne Wade and an NBA guard. Diener's a nice man who tells some interesting stories about his time in pro basketball. I do apologize that there are some audio issues this week, but we do try to keep them to as much of a minimum as possible. With that said, that's it for me. You know, thank you one more time from the bottom of my heart for your support, and enjoy this week's episode of Tales from the Association. Tales from the Association, yeah, it's going down. This the podcast, yeah, you heard it all around. Players hit us with that career, cause you know that basketball, man, is not always there. Sometimes it come and go from the recruitment to the college phase, back to the NBA draft, yeah, that's not days. Playing internationally, and at the life at a basketball, man, they gonna tell us all how it go. See, story is how now, now you know. Tales from the Association. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Tales from the Association. I'm Chris Horwoodell, and my guest today is former Marquette guard turned NBA second round pick turned Italian Cup MVP, Travis Diener. Travis, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, my pleasure. So let's talk about your journey in professional basketball here. You came out of Goodrich High School. You had an excellent career. What was the college recruiting process like for you? Uh, well, I mean, initially it was, it was pretty slow, um, and then it, it really picked up uh, going into my junior year of high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a, a pretty good summer on the AU circuit, and that's when, you know, more of the, the high majors came, uh, you know, sniffing around. And um, at that point, you know, I, I was pretty loyal to the schools that recruited me from a very uh, premature stage. So sure. uh, you had Marquette, Wisconsin, uh, schools that – Ended up being in my final five, but you know they had shown interest early, so I, I thought uh, to uh, pay them the respect that they would have the chance to to uh, to recruit me in the end. And um, you know, at the very end, it came down to Marquette in, in Wisconsin, and ultimately, I, I chose to go to Marquette. That's admirable that you stuck with those people who were in there early. You mentioned uh, the AAU basketball; it's a very polarizing topic. Some people think. Yeah. This is sort of the downfall of modern basketball. Other people think it's a necessary tool. Where do you stand on that? Well, uh, you know, there's there's some there's obviously some issues with it. Um, I think it depends on depends on each certain situation. You know, I, I was blessed to have a a coach and a program that you know I 
I think for the most part was doing it for the right reasons. I think it, nowadays more than ever, um, with how popular it is, how much money's involved, that uh, mm. you get some people that are have their own interests involved, and and they're not necessarily looking out for the the best interests of the kids. So, um, and, and obviously in the last week there's been some some huge issues with with all that, and um, you know there's talks that maybe you know, AU basketball should just be eliminated and there should be more responsibility on high school coaches and things like that. And, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it, that'd be hard for, for recruiting for colleges. Uh, but, um, you know, they have to, they have to find a way to, to make this right. And, uh, but I was, I was fortunate to play for a, a program and a coach that I thought, and, and I know that, you know, had my best interest in heart. How aware were you of all of the, uh, let's call it tomfoolery going on with the, in terms of recruiting? Well, I, th- I think, I think when I was, when I was a young kid or when I was in high school, I didn't, you know, you don't really know much about it because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a guy that was gonna be, you know, be taking money or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but you know, being in the, in the coaching circuit for for a few years you know you, you hear stories and you hear of of people in the AU circuits that you know just aren't you know they're not to be quite honest just aren't very good people sure and you got to be very leery of that but um you know so I, I think I realized that uh, more so uh, these last few years but you know as you get older you, you you start hearing things and you get more educated on everything and um you hope that you know, you try to not be naive to to what you think is right and how you think people are going to act. But in the end, you know, there's some there's some people out there that are are, are very selfish and and you know only care about themselves. Absolutely. So you played right away at Marquette, getting almost 24 minutes a game as a freshman. What was that transition like from high school basketball to college basketball? You know, it was it was hard. I mean. You know, I, I came into a great situation just because I had a I had a senior point guard who I could learn from, mm-hmm. and you know there wasn't a lot of, uh, I mean I, there were some expectations and things of that sort, but I wasn't I wasn't thrown right into the fire. You know, I, I played a lot, but you know I only started a few games that year, so you know I had, a, I had an all conference point guard who I could learn from, and, and then when he left, you know then it was you know my turn to to take that next step. But uh, obviously from a from an athletic standpoint and physical standpoint, it's a big jump. And uh, for me, I think it was more of a jump than, than most guys just because I was, you know, I'm, I'm small by stature. I'm not very physical. Um, I have, you know, I was pretty quick, but you know, that jump is, is a big one. And um, I don't know if it, that jump was as, as hard as it was from college to the NBA, but you know, it's a, it's a big jump, you know, going from, from, you know, high school to college is for any kid more so from, I think, you know, you're going away from the first time in your life, you're Mm -hmm. on your own. That's, that's a huge adjustment in itself. Oh, absolutely. Well, those first couple of seasons, you had a a backcourt mate by the name of Dwayne Wade to help you out. Did you have any idea how good that guy was going to end up being? I mean, I'd be lying to you if I told (laughs) you, I knew you'd be a, you know, probably a, I mean, when it's all said and done, a top 25 player of all time, um, a Hall of Famer. Um, but, you know, he had some special talents that, you know, you just couldn't teach. You know, he has a incredible knack of, of scoring the basketball in, in unique ways. You know, obviously, you know, at a young age, he was incredibly athletic. But, um, 
you know, the things he did on the court and, you know, he was he had an incredible work ethic. He was, you know, in college, he was real quiet. Um, he did most of his action by, by working and working hard. And, mm. you know, we, we knew he, I mean, it was easy to see how great he was, but to say, you know, he was going to be this, this type of player he is now would be, right. um, would be foolish, but you know, he's, he deserves everything he gets. So your big progression came between that sophomore and junior seasons. You know, you scored almost 19 points a game and six assists during the junior year. Uh, it sort of puts you on the map nationally. Was there any thought at all to to leaving school for the NBA at that point? No, not really, not at all. I mean, I to be honest, I never even, I never even thought about the NBA until <laughs> until it was probably it, probably right around that time when when I think somebody asked me uh, after my junior year, like, are you thinking about declaring for the NBA draft? And to be honest, I was. I was shocked by that. I was like, no, I have no interest in that. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a six foot white guy. Um, I'm, I'm going to finish out my college career. Um, I'm enjoying it. I don't, I wouldn't have gotten drafted. Uh, so, you know, I didn't really take, take that notion very serious. Um, but that was probably the first time where I, you know, there was some belief that, you know, maybe this would be a, this is a, a chance I, I, I would have to, to make it to the NBA and, um, fortunately for me, it, it worked out, you know, the year after. Yeah. So that senior season, you know, 19.7, 3.9 and uh, seven assists a game. You're named first team all conference USA for the second straight year. And, you know, your four years at Marquette are now over. What are you doing in preparation for the draft and what's that workout process like? Well, for me, initially it was, it was difficult because, uh, late in my senior season, I broke my hand. So, um, I, I, I couldn't really work out for a while. And then, you know, I got invited to Portsmouth, but I couldn't, I couldn't go to Portsmouth because of the hand. And then I didn't know for sure if I was going to get into the pre-draft camp. And then, uh, you know, a few, uh, probably a week before they said I got in. Um, so I got in, I, I did really well there. I think that really helped my stock. Um, and then, you know, but I think it's pretty standard, you know, you work out every day, you, you try to get healthy, you try to, you know, do the testing that they're going to do in the weight room on the court. You try to simulate what kind of workouts you're going to do, whether it's, you know, shooting drills or one-on-one, two-on-two. And you just try to get yourself, you know, ready for those, you know. But, you know, at the end of the day, these these uh, these teams know what kind of player you are. So I think sure. more so than anything, they want to know what type of guy you are, what type type of teammate. And, you know, you just got to be yourself and, and answer the questions when they interview you and just be honest. And, you know, for me, it was pretty easy. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't have too many skeletons in the closet, so I don't think they were finding, you know, anything out that they didn't already know. You know, we hear a lot of interesting stories about strange questions being asked to sort of determine psychological positions, psychological testing. Did you get any interesting questions during those individual workouts? You know, not really. I think I think more recently that's become uh, a bigger thing. I think you're finding out uh, in today's day and age, it's uh, you know teams really. You know, it's it's very important they have good chemistry yeah. and on good guys, and especially you know for me, you know I was going to be a late first round to mid to late second round pick. There's a, it was a wide range of where I could have went, and they don't want you know pardon my language they don't want a jackass right second round draft pick so 
you know, they, they just want to know what kind of guy it was. And if you're going to be the, you know, a guy that's the, the 10th man to the 15th man, you know, you got to handle your stuff right. And you can't be a distraction. So um, I didn't get really too many off the wall questions. Um, I think nowadays they really try to try to get in there and try to not trick you, but, you know, really see what kind of, what kind of kid you are and, uh, you know, unfortunately or fortunately for, for guys, I think that determines, you know, where they're drafted and, and if a team's going to take a chance on them. Sure. It's kind of like the uh, the Kaepernick thing. You don't want a backup who's going to be a distraction. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I don't I don't want to get too into that. Yeah, but, yeah. Know, Ka- Kaepernick obviously is is very talented quarterback who can play in the NFL, but if he's your backup, you don't want those you know, distractions to go along with it. And I guess we could have gone Tebow just as easily. Yeah, Tebow too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and that's just the way it is. You just, if a guy's going to be your backup, you just want him to be the backup and you don't want the, the media circus to follow. Right. So you go to the Orlando Magic with the 38th pick in the uh, 2005 NBA draft. Take me through what you were going through on draft night. Uh, Nerve wracking. Um, <laughs> You know, I held a. I asked my agent, you know, what are the chances I'm going to get drafted? I want to, you know, have this party at my parents' mm. uh, bar and restaurant. There's going to be a, you know, a lot of people there. I don't want to, I don't want to have this party and not get drafted. Uh, it's like, look, you can have the party. It's, it's a 99% chance you're going to get drafted. I think you're going to go anywhere from, I think he said like 30 to 45. And I'm like, okay, great. But still, I mean, you don't know. You don't know yeah. what happened the draft night. And, um, so, I mean, obviously I didn't, I was pacing really nervous and I think about 30 seconds before my name called, I think the mad, someone had contacted coach Crean and told him, and then he looked at me and said, you're going. And then, you know, 15 seconds later, uh, my name got announced. So, um, you know, a dream come true, uh, something I never thought would be possible. Um, a little bit of, you know, there was some satisfaction, um, but in overall, maybe the greatest night of my athletic career, you know, having the chance to sure. be drafted in the, you know, the greatest, the greatest league in the world. Absolutely. At your parents' restaurant, huh? Do they still own the restaurant? They do. They what's do. the, what's the name? It's called the press box. They're, uh, it's a sports bar and restaurant. They got indoor outdoor volleyball courts, which is, which is big in Wisconsin. Uh, they got a wiffle ball field. They've, uh, They've created quite the uh, the atmosphere. They've done they've done well for themselves. Awesome people should definitely check that out. Do uh you know kind of given the NBA's emphasis on outside shooting and your specific ability to shoot the basketball, do you ever kind of just you know feel like oh man I came along ten years too early? Yeah, I mean, not only that, but the amount of money that's yeah. being thrown out <laughs> too. But yeah, no, I think I mean the way I played was is conducive to way. You know the game has has changed now. It's it's you know essentially uh, it's back to are you skilled? Can you pass, shoot, and dribble? And um, you know it's a lot of small lineups now. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't I, I don't play the what if game too much. I know the game is the game is extremely fun to watch now. Sure. I, I really enjoy watching these guys. Uh, and they're they're so they're so talented. I mean, to play in the NBA is is extremely difficult. These guys that are, that are doing it now. I mean, it seems like every year the guys just get better and better and the level of play is just so high. And uh, you're, you're seeing, 
you're seeing players do things that you didn't think would ever be possible, whether it's, you know, Durant at seven foot, the way he handles it and shoots it, or, I mean, how hard Westbrook plays, or, I mean, obviously all these great, I mean, LeBron's just a freak in every aspect, but, you know, these guys are just, it just seems like the game is just evolving and, and uh, the sport just keeps on growing and growing. I never really considered it from the, the financial perspective uh, in terms of coming along too early because that, that's very interesting. Yeah. You signed that, uh, I think you signed the three-year deal with the Pacers and right. uh, that would have been a more substantial deal in modern day. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I mean, I, I try to play it. I think it'd be like triple. I mean, the way, the, way the, the cap has gone up and with that, you know, the television deal that the NBA got, I mean, these guys are, and it's, I mean, I mean, obviously there's a lot of talk about it, but it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's well-deserved. If they're going to pay it, then, I mean, yeah, who's going to say no to it? But yeah, oh, sure. the money, the money is incredible right now. And, and it's, that's a, a tribute to what, how the league is growing and, and, you know, the commissioner and, and you know the great players in the league who are you know the thing about the NBA right now is the 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 top ten players I think if you you went down the list they're all really good guys you know they don't get in trouble they're the league is fun to be around you know it's fun to watch they're not you know they're not getting in trouble outside you know off the court and I think that's what, that's what drives that and that's why it's doing so well yeah you know it's very interesting because right now the two most popular leagues in terms of American sports or the NBA and the NFL and the NBA television ratings keep trending up, up, up. Whereas the NFL is trending down, down, down. Do you think that part of that is, well, these are guys I want to root for. Whereas in football you have other people. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think the NBA is in a great spot. I think obviously with the NBA, you're visible to the players, you know who they are um, in, the, in the NFL it's hard to recognize guys with the helmets and right. things like that. And at the end of the day, I think in the NFL, the the owners and coaches, I think, play a, a bigger role in in the sport. I think in basketball, you know, if you have LeBron James, you're you're going to be good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, if you have Kevin Durant, you're going to be good. Or and, and they're recognizable, and and they they have, I think, they have more of a voice. Um, so, I mean, and globally, it's, you know, I'm over in Italy, and uh, to be honest, uh, I asked my my Italian teammates <laughs> if they know who Tom Brady is, and, and none of them know who he is. Mm. But if I ask them who, um, uh, uh, not even Kyrie Irving, I could ask them who Matthew Delvadova is, and they <laughs> all know who he is. So globally, I think the game is just growing to a, a level that's, uh, I think the NBA is on a track that's, you know, at some point, I think, you know, could pass the NFL in, in you know, 20 to 30 years. Granted, they all know Del Vidova is that guy who got that ridiculous contract with the Bucks. Well, that's true, too. <laughs> it's incredible, though. I Last offseason, I couldn't believe the deals that were being handled. I don't, I don't think teams really knew how to sort of tackle the, the giant cap spike. And you saw people like Mozgov got that crazy deal. Del Vidova right. got that crazy deal. Just a, a good time to be a free agent in the NBA. Yeah, last year was incredible. I mean, this year I think they kind of figured it out. It, it wasn't, it wasn't nearly as, it wasn't bad at all. Mm -hmm. But you know that that initial spike, it's like, well, we got to spend money. Let's throw it this way. It's and 
Uh, and God bless them. I mean, yeah. right. Absolutely. You know, you have to be in the right, right place, right time, the right opportunity. And, you know, I would never, I would never, you know, criticize a guy, um, for, for having a big contract, even if people don't think he can live up to that. Well, someone's paying it to him, you know, and with Del Vidova, he plays hard, mm. uh, good for him. Yeah, it's kind of a hard position because obviously you're going to take the money that people offer you, but there's also these sort of unrealistic expectations that get attached to that much money that almost guarantee people are going to be angry about you signing it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he has, you know, with him, he had no chance, Yeah. to be honest. I mean, he he had no chance to live up to that, that contract and, you know, it's unfair. It's unfair to him and... Um, but you know, he still goes out and plays hard and I'm sure he's, I, I would hope he's not concerned with, you know, what people think of him. I, as, I as think a, he's probably okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that Bucks team's interesting. What do you, uh, what do you think of Giannis? Uh, you know, a huge fan, you know, when I was back at Marquette, uh, the last on the staff, you know, he, he would come over a few times at Marquette and work out. Um, and he's just a freak, you know, you see him and it's, uh, the things he can do on the basketball court at his size, his length. Um, I think he's going to take another jump this year. I think he's, mm. you know, in time going to be a top three player in the NBA. Um, and hopefully for the Bucks' sake, you know, it's, it's always good to cheer for these, you know, the small market teams that, you know, you have to draft well because, you know, free agents typically aren't going to come to Milwaukee. Right. And they have to build through the draft, build through free agency a little bit if they can you know, strike gold. And, and they did, they, they struck gold on, on Giannis and, you know, they need him to be a top three to five player in the league. If they have won it, any chance to get to the finals, let alone win the finals, you know, it's, uh, but he's that type of player and he makes everyone around him better. He's, he's great on both ends. And if he can consistently knock down a, a jump shot, he'll be, you know, he's going to be unguardable. Yeah. I, uh, I'm out in California now, but Spent the majority of my life in Pennsylvania, so I'm a big Sixers fan, and I'm really hoping that Ben Simmons turns into, you know, a, a variation of that Giannis type player. Yeah, we had a chance to play against uh, Ben when uh, I was at Marquette in, in New York, in Brooklyn, and he had, I think, he had twenty and twenty. Hmm. Um, and like, if he can if he can develop a jump shot, he's gonna be unguardable because he has incredible size. He's an incredible passer, great athleticism, um, makes everybody around him better. Almost, almost un, un, unselfish to a fault. Kind of like LeBron in that aspect. You know, they're, they're so unselfish. They, they just they look to make their teammates uh, better. Look for the open pass almost too much. But uh, from everything I've read and, and heard about, uh, you know Simmons. He's 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 going to be really good. God willing. Talking about unselfish to a fault, and we'll get back to you in just a second here. What is a uh, Lonzo Ball hysteria is taking over the NBA right now? What are your expectations for for Lonzo? Well, I think his expectations are are pretty high. I hear comparisons of you know Jason Kidd. Um, then I heard comparisons to Ricky Rubio. I mean, mm. I think I think his dad brings you know, unnecessary expectations on him. Sure. Um, but I think he handles himself extremely well. I mean, I think all those kids do with, with how, you know, loud his dad is. But um, he, I think he, you know, I think he'll be better when there's better players around him um, because I think he is unselfish to fault. And when he has better players, it's going to be easy. Um, no. But 
Go ahead. You've been in this situation. Do you think there's going to be, you know, I guess there's a learning curve for anybody, but more of a learning curve for Ball specifically just because of that unorthodox release? Yeah, I mean, it it really is unorthodox. Um, For the most part, it goes in. I don't know. Um, at the, at the, at the NBA level, if he'll be able to get it off, um, I don't know if he's ever going to be a guy that is going to shoot a lot of mid range jump shots. I don't see that at all. I don't, no. he didn't shoot them in college. It's either going to be a, you know, a catch and shoot three pointer or he's getting all the way to the rim. But essentially he's going to be a guy that he's going to, I think he's going to be a lot like Jason Kidd in that, in the way he plays. Now I don't, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to be Jason Kidd, but sure. he's either going to be a guy that catches and makes wide open threes, or he's going to, you know, he's going to obviously average a lot of assists. He's going to rebound. He's got great size. He's a decent athlete. Um, so I think that's what he's going to be. I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that averages 20 points a game. Um, and I, and he, I don't think he wants to be right. I think he's perfectly fine with averaging. I mean, he could average five points and 15 assists. And that's, what's great about him. I, I mean, I really enjoy watching him play because he, he does, it seems like he does really enjoy watching his team, his teammates score. And, and for me, I, I really enjoy that. And I, I try to set aside all the, the hoopla and, and, and stuff and just try to, you know, watch him as a player. And I think he, he plays the game the right way. And that's what I respect about him. Absolutely. And the way he plays is infectious to the whole team in terms of his passing. Absolutely. But man, I really hope for his sake that uh, he does figure out a way to score the basketball because even if, you know, even if he's putting up, nine points and something crazy like 13 assists he's still i think la fans are still going to see that as sort of him being a bust because he can't score the basketball yeah i mean you're probably right i mean obviously the expectations especially in la are going to be really high and and not not initially i mean there's going to be a curve because i mean nobody expects the lakers to do anything this year and and obviously the the huge the offseason next year is the big one Mm -hmm. and and with LeBron and, and all these other, well, not not with Westbrook anymore, but LeBron and Paul George and what happens. But you know he's going to have a chance to to fail a few times, and you know he's he's going to be thrown into the fire. You know he's going to start every game this year, and he's he's going to learn a lot from that. And he's going to have games where he looks he looks bad, but he's going to have games where he's like you know people are like yeah he's going to have an outstanding career. So, hmm. um, and you know with the Lakers they're always going to get they're going to get players. So yeah. he's going to have talent around him, and that will help him uh, immensely too, I think. All right, well, let's get back to you. At this point, you're in the NBA. You are a professional basketball player, and you're walking in to this facility. What's it like to walk into the, you know, as an NBA player for the first time on a team with guys like Grant Hill? It's uh, you're a little starstruck. I mean, I, it, your the perfect example is Grant Hill. Mm-hmm. I mean, one of the greatest college players. Um, you know, he was at one point, you know, before his injuries was, you know, on, on line to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time, you know, walking triple double. Um, and then a guy, when you get to meet him, just an incredible human being. I mean, you know, so, so generous to me, so nice, uh, you know, wasn't really outspoken, wasn't, you know, loud, but just in a caring way, he was just, uh, a great guy to be around. Great for a rookie to to learn from him and and be around him on a daily basis. So, uh, but you know, as a as a kid from you know Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, to, to walk in that locker room and you have Grant 
my favorite players growing up in Maryland. So, um, you know, uh, you kind of just look around like, you know, like, how am I, like, this is incredible. And then, then you get on the court and you're playing against these guys. Um, it's just, it, it was just, it was fun. It was a lot of fun to be a part of. So, uh, you play 23 games that rookie season. What's going through your head at the end of your first year in the NBA? You know, uh, there were some good moments in, in the rookie season. You know, I was, you know, they drafted me and they had a lot of guards. You know, I, they had uh, Jameer Nelson, uh, Steve Francis, Keon Dooling. And so for me, it was just, you know, learning from those guys. And, and you know, when, when I got a chance to play, try to play well and, you know, when I when I got in there, I had some some good moments, and then you know, obviously going into going into my my second year, you know, concentrating on having a really good summer league mm-hmm. and trying to gain some confidence and, and being ready for that second year. And I thought in the summer league, I, I really played well and, and gave my chance, gave myself a chance to to play in that second year. And you know, in the second year is kind of uh, kind of like the first year, you know, just. Sometimes I'd play and sometimes yeah. I won't. I think what I did in that summer league eventually, you know, helped me to to sign that contract with the Pacers. Right. So after those two years with the Magic, you leave and you sign with the Pacers, like you just said. What led you to Indiana? You know, I I, I like the way that uh, Coach O'Brien played. He play, he played an up tempo type of game, uh, a lot of spacing, a lot of passing, uh, shooting. You know, offensive system i thought it fit me uh the way i wanted to play the right way the way i wanted to play and um and that was you know that was the, the decision i made and I, I mean i was happy that i got the chance to play there and that first year in indiana you know you had something of a breakout season you're playing 20 minutes a game you're scoring almost seven points a night at this point are you kind of thinking all right i'm uh, i'm finally starting to establish myself yeah, you know, there's some good moments there. I mean, you try to you try to go into every game and, and, and play as best you can. And um, we had some issues that year off the court, um, but you know, we still we were in the you know playoff hunt until the last week. Um, and you know, I got a chance to get my feet wet. Got to play consistently a lot of minutes, like you said. Got to start some some games and um, try to build some confidence. And and you know, that was that was a fun year for me and, and fun to compete and, and, and play. And, uh, unfortunately, you know, that, that was, you know, the best year of, of my NBA career. Still, you know, nothing to, uh, nothing to scoff at much better than the large majority of the human race is going to do. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, when you're, when you're at that level, it's, 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 I mean, the NBA is tough, you know, mm-hmm. especially, you know, I'm trying to, you know, trying to compete. And I was really realistic with, with who I was as a basketball player. You know, I was, um, you know, I knew I wasn't, you know, the play, to play the position of point guard in the NBA, you got to be extremely, extremely talented. And I had the opportunity to start a handful of games that year. And um, it was enjoyable. But, you know, for me, I think my role in, in that league was as a backup or as a third, as a third point guard. So, you know, I don't, I mean, that's just the way it is. You know, I'm very realistic and, and, and honest about how my career is, what kind of player I was. Um, it's just, you know, <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, some you know, there's, there's a handful of people that are better than me at basketball. Yeah. So 
like you said, that that sort of was the pinnacle of your career and never really got consistent minutes again after that. Is that just kind of uh, there's so many, like you said, there are so many good basketball players and you just have to absolutely capitalize on any opportunity you're given kind of deal? Yeah, I mean, a lot of that, a lot of what happens in the NBA where in my position and what happens in a lot of people's position is the opportunities and the system and the coach and, um, you know, and then taking advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was still, you know, even after my fifth year, you know, um, you know, I still had offers to to stay in the NBA to, to be a third point guard. And my desire was to to come overseas and play because I wanted a chance to play again. You know, I was sick of, um, you know, even as a third point guard, you know, it, it sucks because you only really you're only you're only going to play is if someone gets hurt, which mm. is really unfortunate. You don't want that. You don't want to be thinking that, or if someone's playing bad, and you don't want to think of that either. Right. So, um, like I said, I was really realistic, and you know, I could have I could have signed and played, and, and yeah, uh, I would have been a handful. More years just because you know I wasn't going to be a distraction. I was going to be a third point guard, um, but you know I wanted to play and I wanted to play a lot of minutes, and that that's what led me to to come overseas. And it's a decision that um, that I've never regretted. It was it was a great decision for me in my career. You just hit on something that I find absolutely fascinating, and I guess I never another dynamic I never really considered, wherein you know if you are one of those deep bench guys. You, is there a degree of some guys are kind of not rooting against the team, but almost sort of rooting for people to fail in front of them? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that's the the selfish nature in a lot of people. I mean, they, they a lot of people, and whether they admit it or not, care about themselves first. And, I mean, does it cross everyone's mind? Of course. Mm. Does it cross my mind? Absolutely. But that's not the way you want to – nothing's good going to happen from that. Right. It's cheering. Or not cheering, but yeah, yeah. In, in your heart, you know, the only way you're going to play is if someone plays really bad mm-hmm. and, or someone gets hurt. I mean, that's not the way that it should be. And that's not the way you should, you should think. And, you know, for me, it was, it, it made the decision a lot easier. Look, I can, I can sit there as the 12th man and, and make a great living. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I've, I have a lot of competitiveness in me and I wanted to play and, um, to play in the NBA for five years, I had fulfilled that dream and it was sure. time for me to, to, uh, you know, to try something different and, and to take a leap of faith and try to go overseas and, and continue my journey. And, you know, I've had a lot of fun doing that. We'll get to Italy in just one second. Uh, but the last thing I want to touch on about the NBA is I've heard some horror stories about people getting waved and stuff like that. How did the Pacers handle it? Well, it was great. Uh, to be honest, you know, what happens is, you know, your agent does a lot of homework behind the scenes and, and like I wasn't playing in Indiana. And, and so it was more so like if, if you go to the Pacers and ask them to wave you, is there going to be a team that will pick you up? Mm-hmm. So we found out there's a handful of teams. So it was, it was easy for me. Like, all right, I'm not going to play here. Um, let's see if something else is going to go on and, and we can sign with somebody else. So the Pacers handled, handled it great. They didn't necessarily want to waive me, but they accommodated me because I wasn't, they knew I wasn't playing and, uh, and I had a, a, some teams that were interested. So 
Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty easy, actually. Good. So after that, there's a, a brief little period with Portland, but then you make the move overseas and sign with. <laughs> I'm going to take a shot at this. Dinamo Sassari in Italy. How, how far off am I? Dinamo Sassari. Okay. Well. I cool. did, did not expect to get that right, but uh, it seems like at that point you finally found that consistency that you were craving. Yeah, you know, I did. I uh, I found a coach that, um, you know, gave his, his guys the ultimate freedom to play. Uh, I got to play, you know, 33, 34 minutes a game. Uh, we, we were winning. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a highly competitive league, highly competitive basketball, and uh, it was a – um, incredible situation for me and I had a lot of fun and it was it was the right decision and I have absolutely no doubt about that in my mind how did you end up catching on with them and making that move overseas well you, you know you get you get interest I mean every year I was in the NBA every summer I got interest from these teams overseas um, but in this particular year there's this, this coach who Actually, I coached my my cousin overseas, and my cousin is telling me about him. and Says you'll love this guy. He lets you, you know, he'll he'll hand over the keys uh, to you, and you can you can play, you know, with ultimate freedom. So uh, that's kind of how I ended up at that place. Was you know, my cousin gave me this this uh, this this great clue on this coach. Sure. I spent I ended up spending four years with this guy, and actually now I'm I'm back with him again. So it's all worked out. That's that's interesting. So I'm I'm taking it for the for the more fringy roster guys. You know, are these teams reaching out to your agents every summer and saying, "Hey, just in case you're ever interested." Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You know, if the I mean, even if the NBA isn't, if he wants to try something different, you know here's we'd be we'd be interested and uh, this is who we are this is what we offer pretty much all it's uh, like a lot of places in the summertime you know guys have decisions to make every summer you know they want to they want a chance to compete in training camp they want to go to the G League or they want to go to overseas and that's you know, a decision that hundreds and hundreds of players have to make every year and uh, that's going to continue to be the same uh, every year. Sure. What were the major differences in terms of the styles from going from the NBA to playing in Italy? Well, I mean, obviously the athleticism, speed, and size in the NBA is, is unmatched anymore. I mean, you got, I think the NBA players are the best athletes in the world. Mm-hmm. And, in Italy, you get more of a skilled game. You know, everybody can shoot, pass, and dribble. Um, but it's a it's more below the rim game for the most part, except for maybe your five men who are typically a little undersized, but really good athletes. Um, so I think those are the major differences. Um, and differences between the NBA and, and a lot of foreign leagues is just the size and athleticism that is off the charts. Sure. So very good career uh, playing in Italy. In 2014, you retire from basketball and you become the director of player personnel at Marquette. How did that come about? What did that job entail? Well, it you know I was uh, overseas. Basketball is a long season. You know, I've at that time had a young family. Uh, I just had a 
better second and thinking over a six month break from basketball, you know, I was it had been a long home for took a ball my summer. And I just wanted to mentally refresh and, and get a break and and you know, back at, at Marquette, you know, Coach Wojciechowski said, you know, when without me even saying anything, you know, kind of when he got the job at Marquette was, you know, it offered me like whenever you're done playing, we we love to have you on staff, mm. and that got me to thinking something was another, and I back at Marquette in, in that role, and and had a you know an exciting and great three years there, but that it just again and that's where I'm at right now and how long do you plan on playing overseas at this point now that you're back yeah I mean that's a difficult question you know I'm 35 so I think I take it like a week at a time you know <laughs> I understand that completely I, I feel good today you know tomorrow I might feel like crap and uh but no I'm enjoying it again you know it's like almost like uh um my first day on campus and as a freshman in college or my first day in the NBA, you know, I'm, I'm really refreshed. I feel, I feel a lot of excitement. Um, even though, even though I know I'm not the player I was, you know, five years ago, I, I'm enjoying it for what the game is and what the game has brought me. So I enjoy the, the little things about being a part of a team, being a locker room again. And, mm-hmm. um, at this point it's, it's, it's a, not even a week by, it's a day by day thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask me right now, I, I would want to play for a few more years, but if you ask me a week from now, it might be, you know, this might be it. So it's kind of, yeah, known is, is where it's at right now. Yeah. That old, uh, that old youth is wasted on the young saying really started to make sense to me as I got older, Travis. And uh, I mean, we're, we're about the same age and obviously I'm not a professional athlete, but I miss those days being 20 and being able to go play for five hours and not worry about it the next day. Now, you know, play, pick up at lunch for a couple hours and my knees hurt for two days afterwards. Yeah. No, I mean, father, father time is undefeated. (laughs) That is certainly true. All right. So I want to wrap this up with a little bit of word association. Tell me first thing you think about when, uh, when I talk about these players, first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Dwayne Wade. Jeez. Uh, (laughs) Hall of Famer. Steve Francis. My favorite college player of all time. Grant Hill. The consummate professional, incredible human being. Dwight Howard. Goofy. I can see that. Jameer Nelson. Uh, Just solid. Our new $23 million man. Talk about the ridiculous contracts in the NBA. J.J. Redick. Well, J.J. is interesting. I, I can't give you one word because I, I play with him in Orlando, and I'm I'm really happy for him because he really turned his career around and has had an incredible NBA career, and I don't think anyone expected. He just, he's a great uh, – I think he fits Philly perfect, and yeah. I think – I mean, obviously the contract's uh, a lot, but, I mean, for one year – they had to spend money. I think he's going to fit them perfectly. Incredible shooter. Yeah, coming yeah. out of Duke, who would have thought that 11 years later this would be a guy that some team gave $23 million to stabilize their locker room? 
Absolutely. Danny Granger. Score. Jermaine O'Neal. Uh, talented. Roy Hibbert. Uh, weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it weird. Weird because of how his career went. It he dominated, and then all of a sudden it was over. It's just strange, strange. Well, and that's also a function of the NBA completely changing. If Hibbert comes along yeah. fifteen years he, earlier, he's the guy that came along too late. Yeah, no, he his he will he can't play in the NBA right now. It's unfortunate. His uh, his position is yeah, he, he can't. It's today's game, he can't play. And it happened. In the blink of an eye, this this was a, an impact defensive player, and all of a sudden, you can't even put him on the court. Exactly. That I, I, I didn't mean him weird. I just meant strange career path. I don't know. I've I've seen the cameos on Parks and Rec. I would be, I would believe him weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, Lamarcus Aldridge. He's another guy that the game is changing. He's going to be a five man. Uh, extremely gifted offensively. Nicholas Batum. Quiet. Marcus Camby. KG uh, Veteran. Rudy Fernandez. Uh, this is good. <laughs> <laughs> you're, coming up, you're throwing some guys at me. Uh he was uh I feel like this is one of those things where there's a lot to say, but you only want to say so much. Yeah, no, you're right. He was uh moody. Okay. <laughs> uh and Greg Odin. Well, I wasn't around him much. Uh actually I um I'll say uh feel bad for him. Yeah. That's uh that, very unfortunate. Yeah, very unfortunate. Feel bad for him. And I pray, I, mean, to, I pray to God that our big guy doesn't go that same route. Yeah, I know. He, now, you want to talk about a guy that's a Hall of Famer, if he's healthy? Whew. It, it, it kills me talking about stuff like that, though. I know. He's a, yeah, you, it's just some guy, just, I hope it's not him. But with, like, Odin, it's, uh, it's very unfortunate. Guys, that just can't stay healthy. And hopefully that's not the case for Embiid, because Embiid is, is he talented? Holy cow. And he's he's such a draw too. I mean, I I would think that you don't want to compare anybody to Shaquille O'Neal, but I would think that he has the same sort of potential draw in terms of bringing people into the organization because they just want to play with this guy. Oh, he's got so much charisma, and uh, his personality is is infectious. I, I love I I enjoy seeing his videos. I I enjoy watching him play. It just hopefully he can stay healthy. Yeah, there is nobody that Philadelphia has taken to like they've taken to Embiid in a very, very long time. Well, he's like it's like Iverson. I mean, yeah, but he's a he's kind of a, a for as weird as it sounds to say that he's he's approachable. He's kind of like a more approachable Iverson, though. Oh, for sure, for sure. I've had you know I I lived pretty close to Allen, and uh, you know I have nothing bad to say about him. He was always always polite whenever I saw him in public, but. 
you know, Joel's the center of the party. Well, I mean, he's got everybody chanting, trust the process wherever he goes. <laughs> incredible. What a weird life that must be. It's, he's, he's, uh, he's funny. I like him. I like him. I don't, I'll be quite honest. I don't like many people, uh-huh. but I like him. Why don't you like many people? Well, I, I think uh, you get in this social media, um, this, the social media is kind of taken over and these guys are mm-hmm. so, uh, they're like the best players in the world. Just, I sense a lot of insecurity about them and I don't understand sure. it. I don't get it. Like, and from, from guys I know, and it's just, um, that's why I, you know, I like, I don't, I like Embiid. I like, you know, I really like Westbrook. I mm-hmm. like his loyalty. I can't, I'm shocked he's staying and I love it. Me too. And, and it's just certain guys I, I have a draw to and, and, you know, certain guys I don't. Maybe I should stay off social media a little mm-hmm. bit so I don't have to see these guys, you know, talking about themselves and posting stats about themselves and stuff like that. That, that really irks me. Right. Just play the game and let that speak for you. Yeah, well, and everyone, I mean, everyone knows if you're good or not. You don't have to really. Yeah, Joel's never talked about the 28 points he had the night before. He, there's a, there would be no reason to. <laughs> right. Everybody is talking about it for him. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And, yeah, pray to God that that guy stays healthy because, you know, we, this is, where do you stand on tanking in the NBA? Because we, we've sort of been at the forefront of that. Yeah, you think? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> All right. Well, it, it seems like it's working out, um, yeah. and obviously they're changing the rules about it. But yes, the um, Sam Hinkie rule. If the rules are uh, the rules the way they were, I mean, God bless you. I mean, it's hard. It, you know, it, it's very hard for for small market teams, and, and not to say Philly's a small market, but I mean, not not a lot of free agents are probably going to want to go to Philly, right? In the long run, I mean, with I mean, you got all these great cities, and not, I mean, Philly's a great city. But, uh, yeah, I understand. Um, you know, it's hard and, and, you know, one of the ways to get good quick and not quick, but it's not quick, but is to, you know, get a bunch of top five picks and they've done that and now. And now you're finally feeling the, the fruits of labor and you got, you got some extremely talented players and now it's on them to, uh, stay, I mean, if they stay healthy, they're going to, the future is bright, but you know, I guess, I guess that's probably a big if with, yeah. with Embiid and, you know, and Simmons was hurt. So. I guess you just never know. I think that Simmons thing was very overblown. I I feel like first of all, Ben Simmons is someone who is you know kind of more into that that arena of the people we're talking about on social media who are very aware of their own public image and stuff like that. And I do think that potentially winning Rookie of the Year was important for him. I think if this was another guy, and I don't know this obviously, but I think if this was another guy in another situation. Maybe he's back in January or February. Yeah, I mean, I, I, mean, I think all sports where he could have been. Yeah, I'm not and for for not probably a few different reasons. He didn't, but I'm not worried about Ben. Guy. I just hope Ben can shoot a jump shot. If he can shoot a jump shot, the Sixers will be in the playoffs. I can guarantee you that. Um, once again, God willing. Uh, so. This has been Tales from the Association. My guest has been Travis Diener. Travis, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really enjoyed talking to you. Hey, my pleasure.